Good evening and welcome to our first Torch Post Show conversation. It's Thursday the 3rd of March 2022 and we're in the bar at Oxford Playhouse before tonight's performance of Noel Coward's Private Lives, starring Patricia Hodge and Nigel Havers. It's a new production directed by Christopher Luscombe and the inaugural show from Nigel Havers' own production company. If you're not familiar with the play, here's a quick rundown from the marketing copy. Elliot and Amanda, who were once married, find themselves on honeymoon with their new partners in the same hotel on the French coast, admiring the view from adjoining balconies. Their initial horror quickly evaporates, and soon they're sharing cocktails. Who knows what the future holds for them now? The play was written by 20th century British playwright Noel Coward, who played the role of Elliot in the original production in 1930. We'll be joined later by Dr. Sos Eltis and Professor Kirsten Shepard-Barr, no strangers to the Oxford theatre scene. We'll be discussing their take on the production. For now, it's time to take our seats and wait for the curtain to go up on Private Lives. Okay, so it's now after the show. I'm here with um, Sos and Kirsten and Okay, so we've seen it. Um, it was a, a big production, a lavish production, quite a spectacular set. It's sad that we can't show that to people um, who are going to be listening to this. But, um, Sos, do you want to start us off by just telling us a little bit, if you don't mind, mm. about Private Lives? About Private Lives, written in, or first produced in 1930, um, written by Coward very, very quickly. Well, he was, if I remember right, he was either in Hong Kong or Singapore, and he said he had this vision of um, Gertrude Lawrence in a white Molyneux gown in the moonlight, and that's what it all came from. So he absolutely wrote it for her, and it's, um, it's perfect for her in that sense. So part of what I was feeling as I watched it tonight was, was just how, how sexy as a role Amanda is, that yeah. kind of vibrancy and ruthlessness and energy and um, kind of charisma that's in that mm. role. So mm. Coward, but interestingly Coward, so he'd, he'd acted with Gertrude Lawrence a whole load by then. They've been friends ever since they met um, at the age of, I think, 13, um, when they played in Angelic Chorus, um, ate a bag of feminine creams and probably threw up, apparently, very unangelically. Um, so they've been very close friends and collaborators in lots of yeah. ways through that. And um, Coward talked about how Elliot and Randy, he said it was a cheat because it's a play in which Victor and Sybil, the, hmm. the spouses they dump, um, are really very, very second string roles. And he said, as against Elliot and Amanda, and then he said, dumb, I can't remember where it's written, he said, though they're really only one role. So it's really interesting yeah. that there's a sense in which they're mm. like the, the two, I mean, almost like a kind of platonic, um, that idea of, you know, the platonic creatures, Plato's symposium, the idea of the, the beings that used to have four legs and four arms and then get split in half. Yeah. Except the whole, they, they never quite make a whole, but nor are they complete without each other. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think I was just looking at that that introduction he wrote, that bit mm. he wrote, where he said that thing about the characters, the secondary characters being wooden, and they're just not well. Mm. You know, the, the, he he sort of charmingly says, "I really wrote terrible 
secondary role. But, but, he, was, but he said, um, he, because he acted in it, wasn't he Yeah, yeah. In so it? he played he played Elliot. Elliot. George, um, Gertrude Lawrence <coughs> played um, Amanda. Yeah. And um, Laurence Olivier. And Laurence Olivier yes. played Victor. And that's yeah. because he said Victor has to be very attractive to explain why Amanda would yeah. have married him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the idea that Victor's this kind of desperately unattractive, you know, he's the kind of yeah. boorish, boring one, as yeah. played by Laurence Olivier. Yeah. But it's interesting because I think in this piece, he, where he charmingly lays out the background to the play, and, and he mm. faults himself for not having written the parts very well, but he says he was a great director or something like that. He, he or no playwright, so he mm. he gets in and out of the role of playwright and actor. You know, he's doing both mm. with the. So he's as a, an actor, I think he's saying, "Well, I wish the play had been better written," <laughs> something like that. Is quite it? that because I think I, I don't know. He's not saying I wish it had been better written. I think he means I wish I'd been more generous. That's it. So yeah. he writes corking roles for himself in all his major comedies. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, right. So the very first choice of the Vortex instead of Hay Fever, and which play he first wanted produced was because the Vortex had a great role for him, and Hay Fever didn't in the same way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All all of his major comedies have perfect roles for him. So I think when he's saying, I didn't bother much with Victor and Sybil, he's like, well, I can't be yeah, he's really he's interested. So it's not yes. that he, yeah. I don't think he was admitting there are any flaws in the play. I think he was just saying it's a bit ungenerous in, you know, spreading yes. out the charm. Yeah, oh, I know. But I mean, it's, um, I kept thinking about Oscar Wilde when <laughs> we talked about this earlier, that I, I just kept hearing his indebtedness to Wilde, and yet you were saying he wasn't actually well, that fond really of Wilde. it's really interesting. So Coward says after... Hay Fever, which is first hugely successful comedy, um, he says, you know, I got this kind of reputation for wit, whereas actually if you go through the play, it contains great witticisms, like which get the biggest laughs, like this haddock is disgusting. Um, and the lines from Private Lives that are really famous are things like very flat Norfolk. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is sort of funny when <coughs> Amanda says it, but utterly unfunny. Do you know what I mean? You, you, yeah. had, it's a, you had to be there joke. Yeah. Um, with a bit about you needn't make it sound like it's Sybil's fault. She says, well, it wasn't, well, unless she made it flatter. Um, yeah. But it's not, yeah. you know, you can't quite up how we murdered the line. You've you both got to get the the timing exactly right, but it's got to be in context. So whereas whereas with Wilde, you were saying, you know, Carol's writing this sort of epigrammatic language. I don't think it is epigrammatic. It's perfectly paced. It's, if I was really noticing the first act, there's nothing beyond two or three lines. I mean, the bit when Elliot does, you know, how beautiful you look in this damn moonlight. Yeah. That's about six lines, and it feels like a kind of epic mm. speech compared to these tiny to and fro. Yeah, that's true. But they're not... Yeah. With Wilde's plays, the reviews used to kind of quote all the, the witticisms. Yeah. And they were like takeaways. You know, they're, well, they're all those... They get mm. stuck on tea towels and mugs and yes, all the rest of yes, it. Yes, yes. Coward's lines aren't stuck on tea towels and mugs. They might not be, but I keep hearing those patterns. So you'll have mm. a conversation about men and women. It's all about men and women and kind of wisdom about, about the sexes. And it's the same where they declaim something about, well, women are always XXX. And then it's, well, men are always. But it's always, and it's a punchline. ironized. And that's it. I mean, in yeah. one sense, Amanda's mocking that. I mean, I was realizing how much on exactly that men and women's roles and so on, the play, and we kind of completely takes apart those kind of gender roles in some ways. I mean, yeah. it's 1930. Yeah, it's and I really... love the bit where, you know, it talks about how, you know, Victor will sort of, you know, will Victor will give you what for, and, and, and Elliot yeah. says, I'll scream if he does, or whatever <laughs> else, you know. Yeah. Uh, so there's, 
Well, and also it, it, the, the bit where he says, he says, oh, something is really um, not, not right if she has affairs, and yeah. she catches him out on that. Absolutely. She says, mind what? Uh, let me go nibble on my caraway biscuit and yeah, change my crinoline. Yeah, it's a kind of... But so, it's, it's a great, very modern moment. Yeah. It really works now. Yeah. Oh, and, well, if you notice that the audience, when, she's, you know, when he said, well, yes, but it's different for women, and half yeah. the audience went... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a real reaction. It was about, almost like a pen yeah. show in a way. So I wondered if I could ask you about yeah. how you felt it played in the house tonight because it was a full house oh, yeah. and, you know, being where yeah. we are in um, reopening and all of those kind of yeah. things. What did that do for you to, to be in that kind of auditorium? Tonight? It's lovely. I think, I think in some ways how much the audience enjoyed it was really moving. That, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's laughter yeah. right from kind of the second line or something like that. Well, I hadn't realised how much. It wasn't just that I missed theatre, but I missed comedy. Being yeah. in a room laughing yeah. at something in so much, it's so joyful to have that mm. back. And you need you know? lots of people. I mean, I can remember once going to a, um, what was it called? Carry On, tell me, it, it, was, it was the, it was that play that was a redo of, it was sort of about the Carry On film. Yeah, done as a play. Yeah. It was a farce by Terry Johnson, I think. Oh, um, yeah. At the, what was then the Apollo Theatre, the new theatre. Huge auditorium, some reason sold no tickets at all. It was actually pretty good. But nobody, people smiled, they didn't laugh. Yeah. It's really unusual that, whereas you get a certain sort of critical mass yeah. and people laugh. Yeah. And it's a wonderful, like that full auditorium. Really I think there was that much more laughter because it sort of frees you up. Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's very rare you laugh on your own out loud. Yeah. It's weirdly in company, you do. It so was, I think there's a was, kind of human relief. It was infectious, it really yeah. was. Yeah. And I felt that the actors were, right from the beginning, it was... They were really responding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're such expert actors mm. and they were just really warming to the whole experience. Yeah. And maybe it's, I wonder what it was like for actors in this whole period of COVID, not having the live. Yeah. And getting back into that must be such a thrill. Well, also incredibly hard. I mean, the other thing is doing the, the kind of Zoom theatre oh, stuff, etc. Yeah. And it's like, we find it hard enough lecturing, yeah. but the idea of performing to this absolute silence. I know what I wanted to ask. Is it okay to jump in and just say, should we talk about the change, the, one of the big substantial change, which was the mm -hmm. age? Because mm -hmm. normally, the, I guess, the script calls for them to be only five years five years older than me. Well, they can right? be a bit more. It's, it's five, five years since they last since they first married. And the sense of, I mean, it is a play in one sense all about youth. But yeah. because it's second marriage and because there aren't the mention of ages, it's really interesting. It's been revived so many times by yeah. people, you know, yeah. way past. So um, if it was done in 1930, then Coward was 31. Yeah. You know, that was... So well, it was young. Been and really see, young. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was one of yeah. the very very early roles yeah. so it it's in many ways a young play it's about that's the whole thing is when when i mean it's lines play very differently so yeah i mean patricia hodge looks fantastic but when she says i feel like i'm crumbling away that's meant to, she's meant to be like 30 and talking about crumbling but away. also when when somebody refers to somebody else as a baby a mere baby yeah it takes on a different meaning when that person is you know 50 as opposed mm. to 25, yeah. you know, or 30. So there's an interesting, I mean, it's an interesting one and it still works with older actors because there's yeah. a sense in which the whole point at the end of the play is you don't think they're going to change a jot. No. You know, it's all going to endlessly repeat. Exactly. So the idea that they're behaving exactly the same in 50 years' time is entirely yeah. believable. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, whether they're 30 or... <laughs> 
probably shouldn't speculate on a window <laughs> over there. But, <laughs> but that's interesting because we were just talking with your students earlier. I think mm. some of them were mentioning about things like the, the, the domestic violence and the some of the things that we would be really uncomfortable with now mm-hmm. are still retained. You know, this version was really faithful. I couldn't detect very mm. much cutting or changing of lines, but no. you know the play better. I can't remember. I can't remember. There's a line. Did they do the line? The one I can't remember it happening is the one where, yes, actually she asked how old Sybil is. Oh, yeah. And they he says, cut, and they, they say, and, yeah, yeah, and however yeah. old he said, I think he says something like 26. Yes. 23 or something like that and she says yeah. oh you've really run amok <laughs> which obviously with that gap of an age difference would be a yeah, little be too a, much of a yeah. run amok going on yeah that was one line I missed there were a few but things there's, like there's, that yeah. that's quite a but they thing. were sort of necessary given the casting whereas I just yeah. felt everything else was retained but um, even but they, some culturally insensitive things about their, the, the world trip and um, dances, dances in, in, in the village and things like that yeah. but it just, it just struck me that um, some of the things like the violence and the, the hitting, mm. you know, hitting a woman, all these things are, they're played for laughs. And, and mm. I was anxious going to see it, whether I would be laughing and whether, mm. how would I take that? So I actually wanted it a bit more go for it. Did you? Like, I, I mean, I, I, all out kind of, well, not, not to really sinister level. If yeah. you say, I mean, it's, sure. but, but retaining the comedy, the, but more the sense of, well, partly they were very obviously staged the yeah. punch and the slap was yeah. so obvious stage dance. It wasn't that it was as though they were sort of wary of even doing a stage slap that didn't look yeah. like an obviously stage slap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas actually, I think with Sybil and Victor, they got it, it was an interesting choice. I think they got Sybil and Victor's argument much more full on mm. than Elliot yeah. and Amanda's. Yeah. Which was an interesting well, choice. Well, the stage directions in the Elliot and Amanda fight are really protracted. Oh, God, they're rolling like, around yeah. on the floor. Absolutely. Punching each other. And they meant to have completely wrecked the apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas and this, this sort of like, was cut off before it could yeah. get really yeah. full on. And actually, I think, I mean, the, it's interesting. So this, this, my students who are studying it, I gave it on a kind of, it, that was together with Look Back in Anger, oh, yeah. Taste of Honey. Um, I can't even remember the other ones that were in there. But that sense of actually put it next to things like, um, and, oh, and East is East. Oh, yeah. which has oh, yeah. actually really quite yeah. know, really disturbing kind yeah. of violence in there yeah. um, and where it stops being funny at that moment yeah um, mm-hmm. but there was a sense in which they kind of sensed uh, that kind of love-hate difficult relationship the kind of the ways in which none of those plays were romanticizing it yeah. there was a kind of I mean the sort of emotional viciousness in many ways that's behind um, yeah look back in anger yeah. but the other thing that struck me as I was watching it was actually how even handed it is between Elliot and yes. Amanda I was going to say it's because she gives it right back oh god so yeah. he initiates it by hitting her but she wallops him eventually yeah. back does the record over the head and all that yeah so she's absolutely giving it back and she says that do you remember yeah. the play how she announces no 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 I give it right back to him I can take care of myself yeah to, to, yeah, to and there's no question about that. Yeah, and I think so that's you're kind of seeing that give and take, and well, you know, so be yeah. it. Absolutely. So I think, and I think that equality in the relationship kind of shifts it in lots of ways. And you put it next to something like look back in anger, yeah. where there's not the same physical violence. But another way, I mean, I'm fascinated by um, Private Lives as a play that goes round in circles. I mean, it's a kind. Of, I mean, it's fundamentally not that different from Waiting for Godot in structure. Yeah, um, it goes nowhere. They sit around talking, they do yeah. nothing. In lots of ways, it's a play about passing the time yeah. Um, yeah. in a codependent, dysfunctional 
in some ways relationship. So yeah. actually, yeah, Waiting for Godot was Vladimir Estragon's <laughs> relationship is an yeah. interesting other one. And, and yet, yeah. it's actually compared to Look Back in Anger, where the way that that relationship works is thanks to her having lost a baby, thanks to a miscarriage, yeah. thanks to her being sterile. You know, there's a kind of despairing and I think sort of fundamentally quite misogynist yeah. view, which I would not in a million years, you know, so there's yeah. violence in private lives, but it's it's part of their relationship. It's not it's not misogynistic in any way. Yeah. It's so it's a really interesting study in a dysfunctional functional relationship. Mm. But it's not about gender imbalance, it's not about exploitation, yeah. which I think is pretty rare. Yeah. And it's interesting what you said about the waiting because did you notice with the, the blocking that, that act where they're there, it's building toward the big mm. and a big fight. Um, but there's so much just kind of somebody sits on the sofa and just stares out into space and mm. is watching the other one. They're just one. waiting for time kind to of, pass. Yeah. They're sort of like caged animals yeah. circling, yeah. but pretending to be occupied, but really they're just kind of holding a pillow or smoking a cigarette or doing something yeah. that's just passing, passing mm. that time and watching each other all the time. They're yeah. always aware of what the other one is doing. That it was done that, really beautifully, I thought. Yeah, I, I mean, in that sense, the blocking was perhaps the kind yeah. of body language yeah. where they start mirroring each other and so on. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, and actually this afternoon I was talking to Jo, who, um, here, who was saying, she was thinking after watching it, she was just thinking, they just need a job. books for like a few seconds um, yeah. but that sense yeah. of actually if they had yeah. something to do yeah it might work but they yeah. haven't and it's actually in that sense I don't think it's accidental because coward is not an admirer of the idle rich no it, it can look with his face yeah. and I think it's yeah. that I love I mean that's what Pinter admired in Coward's plays and what Coward admired in Pinter's oh, yeah. was objectivity. They both mm -hmm. said, they both used the same term. I don't think they'd sort of read each other saying it with each, over each other or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the ways in which they depict the characters, they represent them, but they don't ask you to admire them. Yeah. They don't hold them up as anything but just what they are. Yeah. And yeah. Coward, you know, there's there's a point in this, I think I found it in the sort of 19... Late 1950s is writing in his journal. You know, the the idle rich are always will be and always have been fundamentally boring. <laughs> you know, you that idea that you're you're going to the theatre yeah. to be amused by them, to be entertained yeah. by them with that. Yeah. But he's not saying they're great. But then the interesting thing is when they start playing music, every time there's music and she starts singing and he's playing the piano, it it. Something happens there. They, mm. they get the chemistry back. There's something mm. that we see that connects them. And it's when they're not talking. So it's, I wonder, if, is that really built into the play? I can't remember. Well, it's it interesting. Well I, think, I think they extended that. So partly yeah. Patricia Hodge, I remember doing, um, I can't remember, Cowardy Custard it was called. So it was a sort of review oh, yeah. that was on in the West End for quite a while um, mm. of just a sort of melee of, Snippets from the plays and sketches oh, yeah. and, and songs she and so on. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. She's so got she a kind of. Voice. So yeah. I think that was part. I yeah. think that was partly of we've got we've got somebody who's a absolute master of this art. So yeah. Give them a bit more time. Oh, so you think possibly in. This I think that I don't yeah. remember the second act song certainly being quite as extended as that. So I think that was partly. Oh, yeah. Um, but that I think that Gertrude Lawrence wasn't she also didn't she also yeah sing? oh she did so there was she a lot of, yeah. 
Absolutely, um, so it is a vehicle for that. But it's interesting yeah. you say it's not when they're talking, because there's a great article by Francis Gray in that um, oh, yeah. Look Back in Pleasure collection mm -hmm. on, you know, essays on Noel Coward. Yeah. Um, and she talks about the idea that um, with when people sort of come together as lovers in Coward's plays, she likens it to Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers dancing. Mm. And the moment where there's almost like a little hiccup and they come into sync. Yeah. And that's that that there's a sense in which there's a sort of verbal game that they yeah. play yeah. and then they know exactly and you get it in the balcony scene at the beginning when yeah. he turns to her and says, you know, there's not a bit of you I don't know yeah. in love. And so on. And when he says, is there any doubt about it? And she says, no, and mm -hmm. so on. And there's a sense of which it's, it's always been there. They're in yeah. sync with each other all, you know, when, once they stop railing to each other, they know exactly what they mean, exactly how they're using yeah. language. So yeah. there's, it's interesting, but that's also when it all comes off the rails. Yeah, because when you think talking. about Fred and Ginger movies, like Shall We Dance, mm. the whole thing hinges on, it's actually because they fight like banshees mm. when they're not dancing mm. and then the minute they're dancing it's sort of like Beatrice and Benedict or yeah. you know some of the restoration mm. comedies that fantastic just that sense of hostility mm. that you yeah. know masks this great but love also, and then when they dance there's yeah. This, yeah verbal sparring and then when they dance mm. they just it's it's very gratifying and satisfying yeah. you kind of feel that mm. in sync happening but I think there's a question in Cow's Place of whether you get a kind of verbal dance mm. if you see yeah. what I mean so you get yeah. the physical dance but you also get the speaking the same language, understanding each other. I mean, there's a lot of that. It's, in that sense, it's very Shakespearean. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. the idea of the characters when they are equals at playing that game, which is absolutely yeah. Beatrice and Benedict. Mm. Which is so enjoyable to witness, because you're seeing, yeah. you're seeing that, that verbal sparring with it. They, it's like wild dandies. I mean, they're just mm. holding their own verbally. Yes. And yeah. they're able to have a bit of distance from the conversation as well and formulate mm. everything Beautifully. Yeah, but I, did, I, I keep coming back to Wild, but I did think I kept seeing mm. Gwendolyn and Cecily, for example, in, um, yeah. you know, do you yeah, take, absolutely. how do you take your coffee and shall I call you Mandy? You know, this yeah. kind of, this, this complete um, performance of yeah. the, while, while they're pretending to be socially well behaved, but they really. Actually, I think for both Wild and Coward, there are so many, so many playwrights writing comedies of manners where they're really about. Much more like those sort of restoration ones where the people, the people who know how to master manners um, in some ways are the insiders versus the sits who don't know how to, you know, the kind mm. of, no, the, mm. the ones who aren't the aristocrats, who aren't, yeah. know, aren't the town, who yeah. don't know how to play <laughs> the game. Um, yeah. But there are a lot of plays also where it's about good manners. Good, you know, good manners are good heart, are good thing. Uh, Carol's got none of that. You know, when when Amanda says, oh, I've got values, like, you know, being kind to people and all the rest of it, yeah. you know, <laughs> well, it yeah. depends on which people, doesn't it? <laughs> um, well, in the original, she says something like giving money to beggar women. So they did change that line. They yes, made it into being kind to people. Yeah. But, so there were, maybe there's yeah. some... But also, yeah. how far she's being, that's kind of ironic, you like, helping little old ladies yeah. cross the road. Or yeah. <laughs> but I think there's just a way in which, for Coward was an outsider. I mean, yeah. certainly that, you know, a celebrity that yeah. brought him into it, his success. Yeah. He was spent a lot of time in parties given by, you know, the rich and, and aristocratic mm -hmm. and all the rest of it as the kind of 
brought in entertainment. Mm -hmm. um, I think often very much treated like that. Yeah. You know, you were kind of wheeled on or whatever. Yeah. And he, and he certainly finds it very, very rude a lot of the time and is very unimpressed mm -hmm. by it. And I think in the same way that Wild is Irish um, mm -hmm. in England as well as yes. gay. Um, yes. I think there's an outsider's view on how that system works. Yes. That it's, they're brilliant at defamiliarising yeah. manners. That's exactly so that it's it. just very slightly off kilter. So and then, and then, but that's where Wilde would never have this, of course. But the reference to making strange noises after you've eaten foreign mm. food, and everyone just, you know, it's yeah. a terrible moment. Oh, he's 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 broken some rule. But Nigel Haber's played mm. it in a kind of gleeful way. It's yeah. completely just, I'm, I'm loving this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a moment that where Wilde doesn't really go, he doesn't go over this line. He well, wants to say something think, like that. But I think it's, it's a different way of doing it. So what Wilde does, I think, has people who use the manners so deliberately all the time. And when there's violence in Wilde, it's broken down in some ways. And, uh, but also it goes towards melodrama then. Yeah. If you sort of mean the yeah. Lord Illingworth, you know, being calling um, calling his ex lover, mother Miss, of his child, Mrs. Mrs. Arbuthnot, yeah. calling yeah. her, you know, dismiss, uh, calling his son a, you know, about to call his son a bastard and all yes. the rest of it, oh, and yes. then she slaps yeah. him across the face with his glove. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a sense which he's lost it at that moment. Yeah. So yeah. I think that sense mm. of manners being about power is very strongly there with Wilde. I think Coward in some ways is interested in manners as etiquette and what you can get away with and what you can get away with and he's in some ways pushing against also what you can do in the theatre. Hmm. So how much bad behaviour you can have there and bad behaviour includes, I mean I love the way that the play doesn't age because in one sense there will never be a time when it is okay to dump your bride <laughs> on the honeymoon. You know, it's kind and then of, having it having happen doubly. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. So it's a wonderful kind of, and the yeah. fact that you, re, you know, he's constructed it so well that you you fundamentally don't care about them yeah. very very quickly. So that whole thing of how can you judge Elliot and Amanda when actually you find Sybil and Victor immensely annoying very very quickly. <laughs> I think it's really interesting for he writes, he's using a form that's usually quite moral and usually about sorting the good from the bad, either according to manners or according to morals or according to something. And he, he breaks all the rules in some you ways. You mean comedy? What, what, what do you mean well, by form? Well, comedy, I, I suppose I mean comedy, I also mean theatre at that point. Mm. I mean, comedy so often, well, the standard form of so often in comedy is there are the older generation is blocking mm. the younger generation. Yeah. Yes. In this case, the, the older generation's kind of, you know, dumping the younger generation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah. as we said, that generational gap isn't necessarily meant to be there. Um, but yeah. do you sort of mean, lo yeah. love in that play is outside the rules, unless you're mm. a Catholic, as they say, yeah. <laughs> um, in which case they don't recognise divorce, so they're still married. Yeah. Um, but in that sense, it's not, do you sort of mean that marriage in, I mean, he basically takes the most fun, one of the most fundamental kind of social, you know, bonding structures, yeah. institutions yeah. and so on, and sort of reverses all its values in some ways, or just yes. casts it aside as irrelevant. Yes. So yes. if, mm -hmm. in that sense, he's taking some of the most fundamental rules of the genre and then turning them into something a little yes. bit different. Yeah. yeah. 
that might be a note to end on and um, sadly we've run out of time but it's been absolutely <laughs> brilliant hearing both of you kind of having this discussion straight off the back of the energy of watching it so thank you so much for giving us time for this tonight thank, thank you, you. So, thank you Kirsten thank you thank you I've